Wisdom Podcast. My name is Holly Weaver, and I'm the owner and operator of Rosebud Wellness, where I practice women's holistic health, utilizing acupuncture, Chinese herbalism, yoni steaming, and Arvigo abdominal massage. And I'm also a new mama. This podcast will be part information on women's holistic health practices that I use in my practice, and part conversations with women who are mothers or hope to be mothers on their journey through menstruation, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood. Please enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you in part by the Rosebud Wellness Shop. You can find us over at rosebudwellness.com shop. On the shop, you'll find six different Yoni Steam herb blends for a variety of different conditions. You can read specifically about all of the ingredients that are in the herbal blends, what you would use them for, and some specifics about the days of your cycle that you would use the herbs. There's also a video for an at-home steaming guide so that you can feel confident that you know what you're doing before you embark on this journey. But if you also don't feel so comfortable just starting on your own, you can also sign up for a consult with me, which is also available at the shop. So go ahead and check out rosebudwellness.com shop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. This is Holly, and I am super excited to bring this episode to you. I feel like I say that every time, but I mean, my guests are just really awesome people, so I guess I'm always really excited to have them. Today, I'm bringing you an episode with Erica Beal. She is a radical self-love coach, and she also focuses on body neutrality, intuitive eating, body love, and um, bringing this to her two children. So not only does she um, work as a coach in her own business, but she also brings this to her five-year-old daughter and her two-year-old son. And so in this episode, she's getting into her own personal experience through pregnancy. Through her first pregnancy was really where um, a lot of this work began after she gave birth to her daughter um, and was working on losing weight and was really resistant to the weight gain associated with pregnancy at that point. Um, and after getting into plant-based living and getting into sort of more orthorexic or obsession with healthy food, healthy eating, um, found her way out of diet culture and into a more free, fun, and joyful existence that she um, coaches about now. So please enjoy this episode with Erica. I know I really enjoyed talking with her. All right, on to the episode. All right, so welcome back, everybody. I am here today with Erica Beal, and she is a mama to two children, and she is also an anti-diet advocate and a radical self-love coach. So thank you so much for being here today, Erica. Really, yes. it's, we just had an awesome little pre-chat um, that I am just feeling really excited about what we're going to get into today. Yes, uh, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, of course. Um, so first to start out, if you can just tell us how old your children are and how many children you have. Yes, I have two kids. My daughter is five, going on 17, and my son will be two in a couple months. I lost track of the months, so I think he's like 20 months now. Um, yeah, and I, it's just the two of them, and I adore them, and they, of course, changed my whole life. Awesome. Um, so the first thing that I usually talk to women about on the podcast um, is anything that, of note about your menstrual history, um, if there was any irregularities, any experience with fertility issues, or anything of note, or was it pretty straightforward, had a pretty regular, not so much pain, um, or anything that you want to talk about around menstruation? Yeah, no, I feel like I've always been pretty straightforward, not a whole lot going on. I had um, some issues getting pregnant that at the time, you know, we didn't really know why, but as I um, 
sought out more answers, it ended up, I have rheumatoid arthritis. So my whole body was inflamed. And it was my rheumatologist who was like, before you go the fertility route and like start diving into all of that, there's a good chance it's just like this inflammation all over your body and in your body that's causing it. He's like, start the medication and see what happens. Like the rheumatoid arthritis medication. Three months later, I was pregnant. After trying for a year, I had a miscarriage and then tried for a year and was of course, you know, discouraged and it's hard, it's so hard. Um, but yeah, and then now I have Scarlett, so my daughter. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, just take down the inflammation and then your body was balanced enough to do its thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, there's probably so many other things that go into it, but it was like, take the medication. It usually takes three months to kick in and no lie, I was pregnant in like three months. It was wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then you can talk about what your experience was with that pregnancy. Um, I definitely love for you to talk about the body image piece and your relationship with food at that time and, and how that's sort of impacted the trajectory of your life and mother. Yeah. So when I, well, first of all, when I first got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, I was a full-time hairstylist. And that diagnosis caused me to leave that behind. I had been in pain for years and just couldn't do it anymore. Three months later, after leaving, is when I got pregnant. I was in a very low place in my life, like mentally, physically. I had, you know, since gosh, elementary school, been fighting my body, hating my body, trying to lose weight, doing all the things. And then here I was, newly diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis pregnant, no longer working the career that I loved. That was also super social. Like I adored my clients. I loved going to work. I didn't like the pain. I'll be honest. Like I started cutting my hours because I'm like, I just can't take the pain anymore. But then here I was now at home pregnant, not a whole lot going on. I felt like I had nobody to talk to. And then the reality that I was about to gain weight and the society that we live in, has basically made us fear weight gain more than just about anything else, right? Like fat phobia is rampant in our society. And even like when I've asked people since like the pandemic, or I remember asking during the pandemic, like, what are you more afraid of? Contracting COVID or gaining weight? Overwhelmingly, it was gaining weight. Like, cause you remember people were like freaking out about like, oh my God, I'm home, what am I doing? So we've been, you know, taught to fear gaining weight. Like it's the worst possible thing that could happen to you with good reason. Cause when you look around our society and you see how people in bigger bodies are treated, who would want that, right? It's, it's oppressive, it's dehumanizing, it's all these things. So here I was pregnant, already struggling with my body, like severe body image issues. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just gonna gain weight. I'm gonna gain so much weight, what am I gonna do? And I was already miserable, depressed, anxious, all of that. And I remember one of the first things I did when I found out I was pregnant was I started looking for fitness classes with the sole intention of working out so I didn't gain too much weight while I was pregnant. Me now, that makes me sad to even think like that's the first thing that was on my mind. Um, and I also remember wrestling with this, like I should be grateful because I had the miscarriage, I was trying for a year, now I'm pregnant, I should be grateful. And I hated every minute of it. I hated being pregnant. I, most of my friends knew it was like one and done. I'm never doing this again. And it was before I even had her. It was simply because I did not like gaining weight and feeling like I had zero control over my body. You know, I felt like I wanted to just eat and I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. And I was gaining weight no matter how hard I tried. I was hyper-focused on it and miserable, so miserable. And I remember after, gosh, no, before I even had her, I was already thinking about like, how am I gonna lose the weight? How am I gonna lose the weight? Because think about that too in our society, like the bounce back culture, how fast can you bounce back after having kids like, or having, or being pregnant or whatever. It's wild. And then think of how much it takes us out of like the actual experience. I didn't enjoy my pregnancy. It was a relatively straightforward. I had no complications. like. And I was miserable because of the weight, gaining weight. 
<clears throat> and then worrying about how I was going to lose it after. And I remember saying, gosh, I think before I was even pregnant and possibly before I even had kids, because for a long time, I didn't want kids. I didn't want my life to change. Um, but I remember saying, if I have kids, they're not getting my messed up relationship with food. What I've learned now though, food was never the problem. Food is never the problem. It was a messed up relationship I had with my body. And food was a way to seek control over that, right? Because that's what diet culture has taught us. So diet culture is essentially, you know, the system of beliefs that um, idolizes or idealizes thinness, like thinness is put on a pedestal. And, you know, it's like forced down our throat. So you use food and exercise to control your body. So I was thinking, oh my gosh, no, I have this messed up relationship with food. No, it was with my body. So then my daughter was born and I was like, what is if this? If we can just go back to pregnancy, I'm curious to know, mm -hmm. um, I was just listening to something yesterday. It was a couple of acupuncturists that were talking about how women can kind of be shamed uh, during pregnancy, even for like gaining too much or um, that, I mean, it, it just seems absurd how much our culture even tries to get in on the pregnancy weight gain as being a problem when it's a perfectly normal physiological process. Yep. Um, was that anything that was like, were your doctors giving you any? No, no, nothing. That's awesome. I know with my first pregnancy, with my second pregnancy, I switched doctors halfway through because at that point, when I got pregnant with my son, I had already started like my healing journey and all of that. And I decided I was not gonna let that fear run the show. And I had a doctor, I wanna say it was like my 20 week appointment, look at me and go, you know, whatever you're doing, you might wanna stop because you've gained, I think it was like 20 pounds or something. I don't remember what it was. She's like, and we would only like to see you gain like half of that. And I looked at her and I said, okay. I went home and I switched doctors and I never went back because no, that's not okay. It's not okay. First of all, body diversity is a thing. We are not all meant to look the same. Not all bodies are meant to be small and you cannot say how much weight somebody should or should not gain. You can't have just like this range, this one number. It's like BMI, which is total bullshit, but I could have a whole podcast episode on that. Um, but my focus with that second pregnancy was not the weight. Like I, I set an intention, like I am not gonna focus on it even though it was so hard. Cause like I said, I had done all this healing and then I found out I was pregnant and I was like, oh, here it is. Here's that fear again, that fear of gaining weight. Let's see if I can do this. And um, I focused on my blood pressure, like my stress. I meditated twice a day, almost every day throughout my second pregnancy. My blood pressure was like golden. And when I switched, I switched to a midwife practice that, that was the best decision I ever made. Um, I told them why I switched. And they're like, really? That surprises me because they knew that other practice. I said, yeah, and that doesn't, that doesn't fly with me. Like you're allowed to advocate for yourself. You're allowed to stand up for yourself, even though it's scary. And even though, especially when it comes to weight, when a doctor says something, your instinct is not to be like, oh, I'm going to stand up for myself. Your instinct is to feel shame because that is the culture around it. Like you go to the doctor or some people don't go to the doctor because they're afraid and they don't want to step on the scale. Rightfully so. Eating disorders are a whole animal. Like it's huge. And, but you're allowed to turn down being weighed or get a blind weight. When you're pregnant, I can see, yes, you're gonna to wanna to get the weight, but you can speak up and say, you don't want it to like be a part of um, the discussion. It's just a piece of information that they need to know for medication purposes, anesthesia, some other stuff. But other than that, they don't need to know it and neither do you. And if you are triggered by knowing your weight, like I don't own a scale, I'm not necessarily triggered by it, but I also just have this zero desire to know but you can ask, asking for a blind weight just means like, they're not gonna tell you what it is. You don't have to see it. They can have that piece of information. It is what it is. You're not gonna discuss it and you're allowed to do that. And if your doctor gives you a hard time about it, you have the right to find a new doctor, right? Because they're supposed to be our, our, on our team 
And that's how I felt with that doctor when she said that. I'm like, you're not on my team. I don't feel like you're on my team if you're talking to me like that. Like, because luckily I had already done so much um, work that I didn't have that instinct of shame. I was like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. You're not going to tell me I gained too much weight or anything like that when everything is perfectly fine. And, but if I hadn't, that would have sent me, like if that happened during my pregnancy with my daughter, that would have sent me into a whole spiral, a whole spiral. Um, so yeah, it sucks that it's like, even with pregnant women, diet culture and the weight stuff is just on top of like, think about how people talk about pregnant women and their bodies, like they have a right to. Or, oh my gosh, are you sure you're only having one? Or you look like you're ready to pop. Yeah, I I had a, a friend of mine on, um, she was one of my first interview podcasts and she is pregnant right now. And she said that people would say things like that to her. And I mean, people think they can touch you. And- <gasps> say anything to, I mean it just, even to assume a woman is pregnant just because it kind of looks like she is just I, just don't comment just don't comment <laughs> unless you are saying you look beautiful that's yeah. it that's all you need to say yes. do not comment you have no idea and trust me the last thing you know a pregnant woman eight nine month pregnant woman wants to hear is anything about like the size of her belly or, oh, you look like you're going to pop. Are you sure there's only one? Or, And the other like really messed up thing is like when you're pregnant, the world gives you like this excuse. Oh, it's okay that you're gaining weight. You're pregnant. Eat whatever you want. Do whatever you want, which I say in general in life, eat whatever you want. Like that's my rule of thumb. Eat whatever you want. And then the minute you have that baby, you're getting messages in your DMs from a high school friend who does Beachbody saying, hey, I see you just had a baby. Let's like, no, no, it's so insidious and invasive. And again, just praise on insecurities and shame. And when we're constantly being bombarded from literally every direction that we should look a certain way, especially as women, right? Like we have been raised and programmed and conditioned to objectify ourselves, to focus solely on how we look, to tie our worth to that, to allow other people to objectify us. And it's so not okay because we are, we're more than our bodies and we're more than our appearance. Um, And for a woman when she's pregnant, like it's a whole lot of changes physically, mentally. It's like everybody fawns over you when you're pregnant and then you have the baby and it's like, oh, okay, mom, just go take care of yourself and get to know your new body. Cause that's the other thing. Our bodies are meant to change throughout life, including pregnancy. And we have to like, in a sense, grieve former versions of our bodies right? Because we're never going to have them again. I've had two kids. I will never have the body I had before those kids, not just aesthetically, but just in general, my body is different. But because of the messages and the bounce back culture and the um, idea that women especially need to be chasing youth, you're left after having a baby like, oh my gosh, what is this body? What is this body? And you're feeling shame because everyone's telling you like all the ways to get rid of your stretch marks and flatten your tummy. Like, mommy makeovers, the tummy, like at the end of the day, always do you like choose what you want to do for your own body, but make sure it's coming from that place of like, well, I love and accept myself and I want to do this. Not, I need to fix myself and this is what I need to do to fix it. Um, Cause it's hard. It's so hard. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, really, I mean, I can really relate to a lot of what you're saying. It's very, um, just really upsetting that after you have this amazing experience of growing and birthing a little baby, like how amazing that is. The only thing that people want to focus on is like how to get rid of your belly. And I just recently heard about that mommy makeover thing, which I think is like getting a tummy tuck in breast implants or something or breast lift. I don't know, but I just, it makes me so sad. 
-hmm. that that is so what, sad. yeah. Anyways, um, I'm curious to know from, from after your daughter was born, in your postpartum experience, I mean, was it like you had to kind of go into a dark time of like really struggling with your postpartum body that then led to um, working on yourself more? And I mean, I'm assuming that um, because you had a I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to make things gendered, but because I'm a female and I, I get, maybe it's just because I talk to a lot more women, but it seems to be like a more common for females to experience struggles with body image. And, um, oh, and I, I just also wanted to say that I really appreciate you saying you thought you had issues with food. Um, but really your issue was always with your body. And I can hugely relate to that. I'm someone that's in recovery from an eating disorder. And uh, people would ask me sometimes like, what are your fear foods? And I'm like, I'm not really afraid of any food in particular. I could eat anything as long as it didn't do what I don't want to happen to my body. Um, so I just, I think that will be a really interesting uh, perspective for for women to hear or people, whoever's listening to the podcast to hear um, that it's, it's not, it is about the food, but it's also not about the food. Yeah. Um, so anyways, to go back to, um, maybe you can get into some of the things that you found helpful for you um, in kind of starting to work with your body image in that postpartum phase and then how that led, in, led into your second pregnancy being a, a really different experience for you. Yeah. So yeah, after I had my daughter, I, I slipped pretty quickly into postpartum depression and anxiety. And of course, didn't acknowledge it, just tried to power through. I was breastfeeding and that exacerbated a lot of body image issues I had. I've always, I've always had big boobs. And actually, right before I got pregnant with my daughter, I, I had um, a breast reduction scheduled. And then I found out I was pregnant. And now I'm grateful that I didn't have that done. But um, yeah, breastfeeding, it was, my boobs were huge. And I, I was so like, oh my God, what is, like, I can't do this. And it was awful for me, awful. And my mom was the one who was like, you know, it's okay. Like, you have to be okay. But I was so like, no, I'm going to do this. But I was like, no, my mental health is a little, oh, it's way more important at this point. Um, so then, yeah, I just, it was a good eight months after my daughter was born before I just had this light bulb moment. And I had just, I had a lot of dark moments and a lot of like trying to keep myself busy. That's what I did. I wanted to be out of the house. I didn't want to be, not that I was afraid to be left alone with her, but I needed to be around people so I could get out of my own head. And then when she was like eight months old, I like had this light bulb moment, like, what am I teaching her? And ironically, so my story, it takes a little twist ironically when I had that light bulb moment I was still thinking it's the food the food is the problem so when she started eating solids I was like I'm gonna make my own homemade organic blah 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 blah, blah. and then I was like shaming myself for eating donuts for lunch so again I thought the problem was the food but I had a whole slew of other things going on stress depression anxiety all those things so I remember thinking like, okay, I got to show her what it means to be like empowered and confident and living your best life, so to speak. I can't expect her to know how to do that if I'm not leading the way. So that actually set me on a path to probably the most disordered eating I've experienced. Um, where I went in like the opposite direction of plant-based, whole food, organic. Like I'm not knocking anybody for how they choose to eat. I just know for me, it was running my life. And I was afraid of food. I didn't act like I was because I also noticed some relief um, from my arthritis. But in all of this, I also really tackled my stress. Stress will wreak more havoc on your body than weight or food ever could. So I took a deep dive into um, wellness culture, which is basically diet culture 
in it by a new name and would only eat plant-based and like it was it was intense lost a bunch of weight so of course when i'd see people especially like my old co-workers it was oh my god you look amazing what did you do and i was like yeah i know like and i wasn't even trying like i convinced myself i wasn't trying to lose weight because i wasn't that was not my goal when i set out but you better believe i liked it when i was like when it was happening so i eating that way, basically to go out to dinner, it was like, oh, I have to make sure they have something I can eat. Going to my parents' house. Well, my mom has to make me something special. I have to make some. When I say it runs your life, it runs your life. Like you, you can't even go a minute without thinking about food or what you're having next or planning or preparing. And like, it's a lot. So I then um, wanted to get into health coaching. And there was this certification course I wanted to take, but I was like, oh, I'm, you know, stay at home mom now. We don't have the money, whatever, whatever. They had a contest. I entered it. I won full tuition. I'm like, yes, this is amazing. And took an even deeper dive into the disordered eating and obsession with it. And then I got pregnant with Jasper. So through all of this, my, my daughter was also like eating like I was, eating like, raw cashews and essentially vegan. I don't like labels, but essentially that's what we were doing. And she ate everything I gave her, everything, like black bean pasta, all these things. And then when I got pregnant with my son, I remember thinking like, okay, here's the real test. Do I love my body the way I say I do or am I loving it because it's smaller, right? Because I had lost weight and I all of a sudden had this body that I had been trying to get for years getting compliments, right? I remember I had two male friends, you know, they think nothing of it. They're like, wow, you look great. Even though you just had a baby, right? Like, no, that's not cool to say to people. But at the time I was like, yeah, you know, no, no, no. So then here I am pregnant again. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to gain the weight. And I also had it in the back of my mind that like, I bet you I'm not because this time I am quote unquote eating better and there's no way I'm going to gain that much weight. Well, a few weeks into my pregnancy with my son, I was craving all the things that I hadn't been eating. And I made a decision very early on to honor my cravings. So like I hadn't really eaten meat in probably two years. And one of the first things I wanted was this salad with this barbecue chicken salad from this restaurant. And I felt like, oh no, what are people gonna think? Cause that's the problem when we get into like diet culture and eating certain ways, like, oh, you're vegan, are you vegetarian, are you this, are you that? You then set yourself up to be like, okay, but what if everyone knows I'm vegetarian, but I really want that chicken, what are they gonna think? And again, mental real estate is being taken up thinking about food, right? So I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just gonna eat the salad. I'm gonna listen to my body. We were also living with my parents at the time and it was not my kitchen with all my stuff and a whole flood of like childhood memories and food. I was like, meanwhile, my dad is super like health nut where I was. It was, it was intense. But then I found myself like eating peanut butter out of the jar and doing all these things. I'm like, oh no, what am I doing? I said, no, I'm gonna stop that. I'm not gonna make myself wrong for this. I'm not gonna feel guilty about it. I'm gonna meditate. I'm gonna focus on my stress. I'm not gonna focus on the food. Um, and I like slowly started coming out of the wellness culture fog that I was in and the obsession. Um, and my daughter, of course, she was like three, started to get real picky, really picky. So I decided I'm like, okay, all right, here we go again. I have another decision to make, like what path am I gonna take? Am I going to force her to eat the way I think she should, or the way that everyone's saying is the right way, right? Or am I going to focus on maintaining a stress-free, anxiety-free eating experience? Because the thing with diet culture and just society in general is exercise and nutrition are like at the top of the list when it comes to health, and they shouldn't be. Not that they're important, but they shouldn't be on this pedestal and the only things we focus on. Because for a lot of people, 
myself included, our mental health gets harmed big time when that's what the focus is. And we have to think of the effect that is having on our health. So I'm like, okay, all right. She's not gonna eat gummy bears for breakfast for the rest of her life. Like there is gonna be a time where she grows out of it. So do I want to set her up for this fucked up relationship with food right now? Because that's where it starts. It's We're born intuitive eaters, right? Babies know when they're hungry, they know when they're full. Like we don't question it. And then when they start eating solids and get a little bit bigger, all of a sudden it's like the, the switch gets flipped in our heads. Like we need to be hypervigilant about what they're eating and control it and make sure they eat this and that. And like all that does is cause stress and anxiety around food, right? Like I remember being a kid sitting at the table chewing steak, I hated steak, the same piece for like 20 minutes and I couldn't get up till it was gone. Like, it's not good when, we, when we're thinking about health. Is that really healthy? No, it's not. So I took that approach. She went from literally eating like full-blown vegan, plant-based, anything I gave her to essentially she kind of eats whatever she wants now. Um, I get a lot of mixed ends on my approach to that. The goal is to maintain that intuition and trust. So I have to trust that she knows what she wants or what her body needs and I'll guide her. Like it's not a total free for all, but I never force her to eat anything. We don't do one more bite. I don't even say you need to finish this or you don't get dessert. I tell her dessert before dinner and she's like, mom, no that after dinner I'm like god no because even with me as her mother the message is so prevalent everywhere else and I'm like I know but the goal is to not have rules we don't want rules around food there don't there doesn't need to be rules around food because we can trust bodies we were taught not to trust our bodies as soon as we moved from like infancy to starting to eat solids where the rules start coming in and I mean I know I obviously struggle with a picky eater, so to speak. And it's like, I'm gonna choose my battles. You know, I'm gonna choose my battles. I'm going to trust my motherly instinct, right? I know my kid best. I'm not gonna force her to eat anything she doesn't wanna eat. Um, and I'm just gonna pay attention, you know? And even her doctor's appointments, she just had her, um, five-year, you know, well check. And I was like, okay, she hadn't been in a year. I'm like, all right. So I called them ahead of time and um, I let them know, like, we will not be discussing food, nutrition, or her weight. Like, and she's like, okay, okay. All right. And I could tell she was taking notes. They're fantastic. Cause I'm like, I, again, I want to be heard. I want to be respected. You Like I'm mom. I, I get to say, and I also know I'm planting a seed cause they're thinking, I wonder why. So I said, there's no, like, you can take her weight, right? You need that piece of information. We're not going to discuss anything else. She's like, okay, not a problem. And the doctor, like, she kind of, like, brought it up to me, just like, just so you know, everything looks fine. I'm like, yep, I'm not worried about it. And she's like, you really think it starts, you know, this young? And I said, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. She's five, 100%, hands down. And look at a growth she's at doing. It's comparing children like their bodies. And that's, again, like it might seem harmless when you're like, oh, they're in the 25th percentile. And for you, maybe, but again, it's reinforcing and reiterating this message that like, first of all, we should be comparing bodies or that we should fall into a certain height and weight range to be considered healthy and quote unquote normal. So that's something I highly recommend parents doing is removing that from the discussion. If you want to talk about it, or after the fact, but not in front of your, your child, because they're going to get that message literally everywhere they turn that their worth comes from the way they look or the size of their body or that smaller bodies are better or all of these things. So when we can take any little, any little step to remove that message for, or remove them from like receiving that message, if your child's school, um, you know, weighs them, you know, I don't like the health is 
opt out. Like it's not necessary. It's so much more harmful than anything. So much more harmful. I heard a story, I'll never forget this one. It really gets me. Um, a young girl, she was probably seven, seven or eight, go to her doctor's appointment, whatever. They're talking about, you know, her eating habits, her snacking and what she eats. And the doctor saying, well, maybe you shouldn't be eating Nutella out of the jar. And I'm like, oh no, like, no, 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 no. And then once they go to the grocery store afterwards and she asks mom, how many calories are in a popsicle and how many she can have? Like, this isn't okay, right? We're, we're starting it. It starts so young and so early. And I know it comes from a place of concern, right? Because you want your children to be healthy and all these things and you want to make sure you're doing right. But we really have to take a step back and ask what we're doing and why. I know I totally went off on a tangent and did not no, answer this, but. I mean, you, this is just awesome. I mean, I just hugely align with your message. And my first memory of being dissatisfied with my body was when I was four. And so, yeah, it starts that young and it's really, really sad. And I, I mean, to me, as somebody that has struggled with this for my entire life and my mom and my sister, um, I, I mean, I really want to break the chain. And I think, I think some people aren't coming from the position of having struggled with an eating disorder and having it in their family, but it, it is kind of like what you're saying. It's like, I just want my kids to be healthy. So like, I don't want them to eat sugar or things like this, but it, for somebody that's locked and loaded for an eating disorder, telling them like they can only have so many calories or not to eat Nutella out of the jar, worrying about the amount of calories and popsicles could be really, really, really damaging. Um, really damaging. And so one of the things I wanted to ask you about is um, something I've been concerned about for myself is that like I, I bring my daughter to the doctor with me when it's my appointment and I've been doing blind weights for a really long time and I've been trying to face being weighed because I don't want her to feel like it's this big deal. And I, I guess I, I feel similarly, I mean, right now I have been letting them weigh her um, and I, I guess you've kind of made me curious about like, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe having that conversation, um, with them at some point about like it, you know, if there's some kind of concern, maybe you could talk to me privately, but like, please don't say that in front of my daughter. Um, but I'm curious to know, like, if, if you ever talk to them specifically about weight um or if you kind of try to yeah or so yeah do you bring them to the doctor with you or are they aware that you don't weigh yourself and does that do you feel like that kind of makes it seem more charged or mm. I don't know I guess I'm just kind of I see what you're saying know. like yeah in not focusing on the number in the way is it making it this like bad thing by not doing that um so they, my daughter, my daughter's come with me to the doctors, but it's been a while. They don't know, like we don't have a scale, so it's not like a normal thing for us to do, but like we go to grandma and grandpa's house, you know, Scarlett has stepped on the scale and whatever. I, what I try to do is just reiterate the fact that, yeah, it's just a, a piece of information. Like it's, it's nothing like it, the doctor needs to know it, but it's, it's not important. And actually before this, um, Appointment, this past appointment where I had, you know, told the doctors this, she asked me about it. She's like, Ooh, am I going to get on the scale? Like it's this, because we don't have one, but she's obviously seen one before. And I think used it at grandma and grandma. She's like, Oh, am I going to get on a scale? I'm like, yeah. She's like, Oh, okay. I'm like, you know, why, why are you wondering? She's like, Oh, I don't know. Like, what's the number going to be? I'm like, yeah, we'll find out. I said, but it's, it's just a piece of information. It's just something that they need to know in case you need medication or um, I don't know what else I told her. But I, I try to have the conversation where it's like not charged, where it's just like, this is just what you do. You go to the doctor. It's not a big deal. It's not something you need to monitor at home. 
Um, and to really, really drive home the fact that all bodies are different um, and exposing them to different bodies and talking about different bodies, right? I will say it's, it's hard because the message, especially to little girls, is very much like you need to be cute and pretty and little and all of the cartoons all the princesses, like I do my best to stay away from princesses. It's just girls, I don't know what it is. Girls are just like princesses. But look at what we're being, I mean, Barbie, look at that shape that we're being taught. Like, I like to let her see my body naked as often as possible. And she has said some things that I had to pause and take that moment to be like, okay, again, this is an opportunity for me to deepen into my own radical self-love and teach her. So for me in making the decision to no longer fight my body, to no longer focus on my weight, to actually um, truly get to that place. You know, it's like you go on a diet or you, know, you try to lose weight because you think that's gonna make you feel good in your body. But I wanted to just feel good in my body without all of that. And actually in the middle of all of that, when I was um, taking my deep dive into wellness culture, I started my business and I actually started by selling weight loss. Although I didn't actually sell it. I worked with a coach, paid her a lot of money. And she urged me to do what would make me the money, which would be weight loss. And I, I mean, I built a website, a webinar. I did hours and hours and hours and hours of work, even though I was like, no, but I just want like people to feel good in their body. It's not about weight loss. The day I made that live and I, I immediately like contracted and I was like, nope, this doesn't feel good. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I took it all down and I stopped working with her because she was like, you must not want to make money then. I was like, well, no, I just want to help people like make peace with their bodies and telling them to lose weight doesn't feel like that's what that's doing. At that point, I didn't know what diet culture was. I didn't know anything about anti-diet, body positivity, nothing. I just knew deep in my guts that it did not feel right. So that's when I started just like getting curious about my own body and journey and looking at my daughter, because my son wasn't born yet, and thinking, okay, what did I need when I was a little girl? What did I need to hear? Or what did I not need to hear? What did I need to be shown? And I had to do it, even if I didn't feel it. So the thing with like self-love, because I don't often talk about body love, because I think that also sets us up to feel like, well, I don't love my body today, so I'm failing too. Um, but the thing with self-love is you can't wait to feel it. You have to act like it, right? So you have to take action. Um, so I had to do all of these things, especially when it came to my body that didn't feel comfortable, like wearing a bathing suit, um, like not weighing myself, like wearing shorts, like not cringing when I looked in the mirror. I had to do all of that before I felt the love for myself to set that example for my daughter. And then what I learned was I was like, oh, the more I do this, the more I like it's actually real like the more I feel it and the less I'm focused on how my body looks so that's like always my biggest thing like don't wait until you feel love for your body especially don't wait until you feel love for the way your body looks is that all like the message of self-loving yourself women especially here like well that means I have to love the way my body looks it's like no we don't do that we're working to stop caring so much about the way your body looks and start thinking more about what your body can do so you can be a whole complete human right and not just focus on your looks so I really had to be super intentional in front of my daughter and one of like the biggest things like I decided she will never ever hear me say anything negative about my body never ever ever and when I decide something it's done I do it like there's no turning back and now with my son too again he's younger so a lot of this like major work I was doing it was just um, when my daughter was here but more so than not hearing or not letting her hear any, me say anything negative about my body was like actually having conversations about what our bodies can do because again shifting away from us being um 
um, that need to be aesthetically pleasing to just like, well, no, my body can do this, that, whatever. But she has definitely like, after I had Jasper, Scarlett pointed at my, my belly one day and she was like poking it and squishing it. She's like, Ooh, do you have another baby in there? And I remember at that moment, I was like, <gasps> but I was like, nope, nope, not doing it, not doing it. I said, I don't have another baby in there, but can you believe that you were in there once and your brother? And isn't it so magical that now you're here and once you lived in my belly? And she was like, yeah, that could have gone a completely different way if I let that trigger. Cause it, I would, it triggered me. I was like, oh damn, yeah. Like what woman really wants to hear that? They don't until you get to the point where like, well, I guess it really doesn't matter. But I was like, okay, all right. That felt good. That felt good. And I'm gonna keep the momentum going. Recently, she was in my room with me after I took a shower. And again, I intentionally want my kids to see me naked. Again, normalizing bodies too, taking like the, the charge away from them and the um, like sexual aspect of it. Cause I feel like that plays a big part into it too, especially with women and being aesthetically pleasing. You wanna be sexy and attractive and this and that. It's like, no, bodies are just bodies and we all have them and they all have dimples, they all have wrinkles. They all have bumps and lumps. Like they're not flaws. Flaws don't exist. Flaws are man-made and created by the patriarchy to get our money, right? Um, but she said to me, she's like, mom, I don't like to see your booty without panties on. <laughs> like, why not? She's like, well, it's not very pretty. I said, why does my butt have to be pretty? Like to just have these like kind of conversations which are challenging for me like again it's still triggering for me sometimes i'm like oh yeah you're right but i'm like no i'm not like i'm changing the dialogue and breaking the cycles um and so then what did i do i put my butt in her face i'm like oh you don't like it here there you go <laughs> you know what i mean to just like again normalize it and to just point out that this is what a body looks like I'm not a Barbie doll. We're not Barbie dolls. Like, and I talked to her like, well, when you look around you, you see bodies of all different shapes, sizes and colors and abilities. And um, she's like, yeah, but still, I still see the effects of society and the shows and the language on her. She's, it's scary because she's, she's at that age and I'm really noticing it. Um, but yeah, to just really keep your language about comments so much on anybody's bodies and like how they look. Um, that's been for me because our instinct is usually to do that. Oh, you look great. So-and-so looks great. Or, oh, they look like they put on some weight. Your kids are listening. And we don't want it to be a topic of conversation. Nobody's body should be a topic of conversation. So we're working to, again, move away from that because improving your body image and improving your relationship with your body does not mean loving the way it looks, which I've said before. It really means that the way you view your body, it doesn't stop you from living your life. So like, I don't love the way my body looks every day. I don't like, it's not, I don't look in the mirror like, my God, I'm just like so hot. I love my body, but I don't let it stop me. I don't let it mean anything. It's like, nope, I decided I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to live my life. And that's like that point of body neutrality, which is a really beautiful place to be where you might not love the way your body looks, but you don't hate it anymore. You're not beating yourself up. You're not denying yourself joy and pleasure and fun. My, my favorite example um, when I talk about body neutrality is like, say you were going out to dinner with friends. You're in your closet and you're trying to find something to wear and you spend an hour and you're putting all the clothes on. You're like, oh my God, I have nothing to wear. I feel gross. I, I don't like anything. I'm not going. And then you stay home and you're depressed and you're upset thinking of body and the clothes that didn't fit or how you look and you're missing out on fun with your friends. Body quality would be like, okay, I'm not feeling my body today. Like, I don't love the way my body looks. I'm looking in my closet, not sure I really love anything in here, but you know what? I wanna go out to dinner with my friends and have fun. So I'm gonna put something on that feels good, right? On bad body image days, when you're not feeling your body, put clothes on that physically feel good. If you're wearing clothes that are too tight or whatever, or uncomfortable, 
you are going to be hypest on your body all day long. So body neutrality would be just that. I'm going to put on something that feels good and I'm going to go out to dinner and have fun with my friends. And that's it. Doesn't mean that you, again, have to love the way you look and that you are like putting on this, that they're like, oh my, so amazing. It just means that it's not that important anymore. And it's hard work. It's really hard work to get there. And I like to think like with our kids too, when we're breaking this cycle, we are preventing them from having to do this part of work. Like until, I mean, until society in general changes, there's still that influence, but like, this is a big deal for the next generation, like a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I do see even in the, the generation sort of like below me, um, it does seem like there's a, a little bit of a different conversation. Um, yeah, than when I was growing up and I, but I, I do, diet culture is still very much there and alive. And it, maybe it's just that it's shifting more towards exercise and like healthy eating or really orthorexia really, yep. is, which is mm -hmm. um, for anybody that doesn't know is kind of like what you were talking about when you were in your plant-based phase of yep. you know, just only eating really healthy foods. And I can really very much relate to that and has been a struggle for me in thinking about how to feed my own daughter and like wanting her to be healthy and feel well and not any have any health issues, but also not wanting her to have this like paralyzing fear. I, I don't even really know what the word is, but feeling paralyzed around food and not knowing how to proceed and just feeling like free and calm and feeling like she can trust her intuition of like what feels good to her and her body. Um, so I'm curious to know how I'm just looking at the time and I have like a bazillion more questions for you, but um, maybe just to wrap up, um, I've been in the wellness world um, for quite some time and it has very much um, been a, a big part of my eating disorder because I think it is kind of wrapped up in diet culture and I mean, I can't even tell you the number of acupuncturists that think it's necessary to weigh their patients and, um, you know, just really focus on weight loss as being sort of like a thing that needs to happen or talking about diet um, and really not having the training that's really necessary to know um, what specifically a person would need. That's really not our specialty, but there's a lot of people that are commenting on it without that training. Um, but I, I just caught a little bit of something that you said with your rheumatoid arthritis, that the way that you were eating did improve that. I think that, that that's something that I'm always kind of struggling with because sometimes people will say like, oh, I, I cut out this thing or that thing and this symptom improved for me. And in my own personal experience, there has cutting out food groups or or any type of food, the only thing it's done has given me more of an eating disorder. It's never, it's never helped me in any way. Mm -hmm. So I can't specifically mm -hmm. relate to that experience of like somebody that has like IBS or, uh, or arthritis like you, um, or, you know, I work a lot with gynecological issues. And so sometimes with like PCOS, they'll recommend that women go on these like crazy restrictive diets, particularly carbs have sort of been the new uh, low fat from like when we were growing up. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm just curious how you have that conversation with people. And I see it sometimes in your group on Facebook, um, where people will be like, oh, well, I, like, how can you advocate for, you know, all foods being fitting and being healthy and good for you? Um, when it's my health condition, whatever it is, is improved when I do these certain things, um, or, you know, like you're promoting obesity or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, it's certainly not just you. I've been following sort of like health at every size, anti-diet dietitians and things like that. And I, I see it from a lot of people that there's like a mm -hmm. lot of fear around, oh my God, you're going to make everybody obese. <laughs> so maybe, yeah. I mean, just, I know that's like a gigantic topic, but whatever you want to say around that piece too. Yeah. 
First of all, I will say, I now eat whatever I want. I've had no issues with my arthritis, none. So that, um, and if you, if anybody is like struggling with any type of health stuff that they, okay, maybe food might help, go to a nutrition or a dietitian. Don't, if you are getting nutrition advice from anybody, let it be a dietitian, specifically a weight inclusive, haze aligned, which is health at every size, um, anti-diet dietitian. Because it, what, what you were talking about there with like eliminating food groups and this, okay, well, yeah, it might, for me, right? So I thought, okay, well, eliminating all this food helped my arthritis, but it really fucked with my mental health, which is just as important. So we have to ask ourselves, right? Like, where's that balance? Maybe you have to take medication instead of being hypervigilant about what you eat for your mental health. And that's okay. There's no shame in that. I think like we've gotten to the point where it's like shameful to be on medication for anything. And I was there again. I was like, oh no, just change your diet and you'll be fine. And it's, it's not that easy because food, my God, is such a big part of our lives. And if you have that crippling fear of it, which can very easily happen, um, that takes a lot of joy out of your life. And when we think about, okay, yes, eating whatever we want, like, oh my God, how irresponsible of you to tell people that. Well, yeah, that's a diet culture mentality. You believe that you can't trust yourself around food because that's what diet culture has told you, that you need somebody else outside of you to tell you what to eat, when to eat it, how to eat it. When in reality, when you allow yourself to eat whatever you want, you are not going to sit on the couch and eat ice cream all day, every day. If you do, that's not good for you. Like, do you. Health is not a moral obligation. The size of your body is not a moral obligation. Like, you do you. But that's what people think. Like, oh my gosh, you're telling people to eat whatever they want. Well, it should be everything in moderation, this and that. It's like, yeah, that's the diet culture mentality. What actually happens when you stop restricting and when you allow yourself to eat whatever you want, you take the power away from the food. You get rid of that forbidden food aspect. So when you are not allowed to have something, you're gonna want it more. You're gonna want it probably a lot more and you're gonna think about it. And when we restrict, I mean, if you're, especially if you're doing any type of intentional weight loss, restriction is involved. I'll hear people say it all the time, oh, but I lost it in a healthy way. No, restriction is involved. When we restrict, we're telling our brain that something's wrong. There's not enough food, there's a famine that puts your body in like hypervigilant stress, chronic stress mode, where it's like, all right, we gotta preserve all of our energy. We gotta shut down some things because I don't know when we're gonna get enough food because apparently there's a famine because I'm not getting what I need. And then when you start to quote unquote, fall off the wagon, again, diet culture will tell you that, you think, oh my God, it's my fault. I have no willpower. I have no self-control. No, it's your body doing what it's supposed to do. Food's around you and it's like struggling and it needs it. So you're going to eat it and you're going to keep eating it and you're going to feel out of control around it, right? And you're going to stay on that cycle of restrict, binge, repeat. When you allow yourself to eat whatever you want, at first there's this phase, the refeeding phase, the book, The Fuck It Diet by Carolyn Dooner, um, I highly recommend. I have my top three books, Fuck It Diet by Carolyn Dooner, Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison, and The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. Um, but she talks about, you know, the refeeding phase where you essentially allow yourself to eat whatever you want, whenever you want. It's really scary for people. My clients are like, wait, I'm sorry, you want me to do what? Like, I can't do that. It's like, you can do it. You, you have to power through it because you're gonna get to a point where like, you're neutralized. Like that food doesn't have that power anymore. You might have that one food that you've like not allowed yourself to eat. And then when you like lift that restriction, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna eat it, I'm gonna eat it, I'm gonna eat it. And if you will actually allow yourself to do it, I promise you'll get to a point where you're like, oh, like it's not even that exciting anymore. It's because it's not forbidden. So that fear is very real of like, oh my God, I'm just gonna eat until I explode. And yeah, you know what? There's a chance you will gain weight 
when you opt out of diet culture and restriction. And that's another thing for you to tackle, like, well, why is it such a problem? Why am I struggling with that? Um, but yeah, when you're no longer restricting or in that cycle, food doesn't have that power anymore. And you will be surprised at what you actually crave and what you like to eat and not feel that like uncontrollable, oh my gosh, if there's ice cream in the house, I'm gonna eat it all so I can't eat it. Or better yet, like me, I would just be like, oh, I'm just not gonna buy it because if it's not in the house. And I'm like, well, no, I like ice cream. I'm allowed to eat ice cream. Like, what the hell? Um, so yeah, just, it's a very real fear. People kind of freak out when you say like, eat whatever you want. And again, that's a diet culture mentality. And there's no, you know, it's essentially what would be promoting obesity more than anything would be diet culture because when we intentionally lose weight, again, we go in that famine mode. When we start eating again, because our body is like, okay, finally, like we're getting the food, the chances of you gaining more weight than you lost are about like two thirds, right? So 98% of the time, if you intentionally lose weight, you gain it back. Biologically, that's what happens because your body needs to prepare for the next famine because it doesn't feel safe. Every time you restrict, you're telling your body it's not safe. So when we keep doing this, the weight cycling, right? We lose the weight, then we gain it back and then some. We lose it, we gain it back and then some. Then our weight set point gets higher and higher and higher. Now there's nothing like nothing wrong with having a body of any size, right? But when people try to argue that, oh, you're promoting obesity, it's like, do the research. There's a lot of research out there that will show you that intentional weight loss is not healthy and it's more taxing on your body than anything. Because again, you're gonna be yo-yoing. Every diet is a yo-yo diet. You're gonna just keep going because again, biologically, that is what your body is meant to do and it's meant to protect you. And if you are in a famine, when you come out of it, your body's going to protect you and make sure you have enough weight on you and enough energy stored to survive the next famine. Yeah, I mean, and even the marker that they're using to determine if somebody is obese is the BMI scale, which we've already identified as complete bullshit anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's so, awful. It's, I mean, they're calling it an epidemic that everybody's obese and unhealthy, but it's it's really kind of being manipulated by diet culture and this BMI scale that really was never intended to be used as it's being used. No, and it's based off a white male. Like, let's be real, super racist too. That's a whole other conversation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so it, this has just been such an awesome conversation. Um, but I wanna be respectful of your time. And um, so if you wanna take this time to tell everybody what um, sort of offerings you have and where people can find you on your website or any social media platforms where you're most active and things like that. Yes, and thank you for having me. This was great. I literally could go on for hours. So you do have to rein me in. Um, the best place to find me is on Facebook. That's kind of where You'll, you'll see the most of me and particularly my Facebook group. It's called Body Confidence, Radical Self-Love and Positive Vibes. And it's just this really beautiful space where it's anti-diet, of course. Um, it's fat positive, fat acceptance, like all of it. And we just, we celebrate each other, right? We just like stop caring so much about how we look and we celebrate each other. We don't try to fix each other, nothing. Come in there, it's beautiful. Um, follow me on Facebook, Erica Beal. I'm on Instagram, not super active, but about to change that, at Erica Z Beal. Um, you can check out my website, ericabeal.com. And what else? Ooh, I don't know, well, this might not be. I do have a masterclass coming up, but I'm not sure when this is airing, so. Um, yeah, it will probably be in like a month or so. Okay, well, I will have this masterclass available in a month anyways, but okay. it's gonna be geared towards kids, body confident kids, to really help parents um, navigate this and break the cycle. So I have that coming up. I also, 
do a four month group program called Body Image Breakthrough that I launch twice a year. Um, it's incredible. It's an amazing journey. I have an anti-diet dietitian who does trainings in there as well. We spend four months together doing all the work to deprogram from diet culture and improve body image. Um, and I also take on one-to-one -one clients, which I only do about one or two spots for that every couple of months, but that's for anybody who's ready to like take the deep dive. And what happens when we deprogram from diet culture and free up all this mental real estate is you have a lot of space to just really start exploring life and what feels good to you. Um, so I take my one-on-one -on -one clients on quite the journey once we, once we do all of that. I think that's all of my stuff. And everything that you do um, is like online, right? You don't. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's all okay. virtual. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we happen to both be in Connecticut, but you don't have to be local to here in order to, um, to work with Erica. So I usually work from my bed, which is where I'm sitting right now. So okay. that's <laughs> you so can lovely. See it. <laughs> um, well, thank you again so much for being here. It's been such a treat to talk with you today. Thank you for having me. This was great. for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you'll be notified of future episodes as they're published. And also, if you feel so called, please give us a rating and a review to help other people to find the podcast more easily. Thanks again. Till next time.